Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Let's give Pastor Peter a great round as he comes to share with us. Awesome. Cool, you can take your seat. So young adults, remember 7.30 at Troy's house. Phil Troy's house, doesn't matter. We're just going to have a great time at Troy's house. Anyone's welcome. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. It's all no problem. It's five bucks for pizza and drink. We've been blessed with leftover food from the new friends lunch today. Four platters of food. We always love food, young adults, so we'll eat it. So uh, come along. Plenty of food. It's going to be fun. And uh, we also want to uh, have a bit of a going away party for, for Ash. So uh, it's invite you to come along and join with us for that. So it's going to be fun. Cool. I want to share a story with, story with you tonight. And uh, as Riley does a dance, and um, about a man in the Bible called Jonah. And, um, you know, Jonah, it's a significant story. One of the reasons straight away I can tell you it's significant, because many other stories in the Bible are contained in a book, and there's many stories with one book, like in uh, First Kings or Second Kings, it's stories about David and all these people. But God said this story is so important that he actually called, made one whole book of, of four, four chapters called Jonah, about the life of Jonah, because God wanted to stand out because it's an important story. And so if you look at a bit of a background about uh, Jonah and, and the whole thing that was going on here, a lot of the times there's many books being written about Jonah, many kids' books written about Jonah, many songs written about Jonah, and most of the time it's about Jonah and a whale or Jonah and a big fish. And uh, which is all good, and that's part of the story, but that isn't really what the story's about. And, uh, and a lot of people focus on the, the amazing thing, and it was a miracle that Jonah, I don't know if you've ever been in the stomach of, or smelt the stomach of a uh, big fish, I have, and uh, the bigger they get, the more they stink. And, um, and so it is a miracle that he actually came out of that fish alive, and, uh, and that whole thing, which we're going to read about in a minute, but that's not what the story's about. This, this story, this story about Jonah is not so much about Jonah, but it's about a city called Nineveh. And it's about 120,000 people that God had compassion for. And he didn't just have compassion for the 120,000 people, but he also had compassion and cared about Jonah because Jonah's heart wasn't in the right place either. And so just to give you a bit of a background about this, is Nineveh, was an ancient Assyrian city in the upper Mesopotamia uh, located in modern-day northern Iraq. That's where it is. The ruins are still there. It is, it is on the eastern bank of the Tigris River and was the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. It was an old city, first mentioned in text in 18, 1800 BC. And some people say that it's up to 6,000 years before Christ it was actually populated. So it's one of the oldest cities in, in history. And so, and it was a large city. It was, uh, it was so big that it actually its circumference was about 100 kilometers. So you think about that. It took you three days, someone three days to walk around it. That's how big this city was. And so it wasn't a small city. It was a significant city. And, uh, and I've seen a few pictures of the ruins and it's incredible. It had 15 gates. And it had incredible walls and all this stuff. And so it was a, and over the years, many valuable 
artifacts were put there and had the largest library in the world, in the known world, in the city and its highest point. And, and through, through time, it's, the city's changed and all this stuff. And, and today, the city is in, there's a ruin there of the city and they've dug up artifacts and there's a, there was a wall there up until last year because next door, the modern day Nineveh is a city called Mosul. And if you've been reading the news in the last 12 months and following what's been going on with ISIS in Iraq and all that, that was one of the cities that ISIS took over and I think are still control or there's a whole lot of battle going on there anyway. And out of that city of Mosul, many Christians were killed and many Christians fled and they're still fleeing across the world and refugees. And when you look at that, all those Christians would trace their roots back to this story. What happened when Jonah went to that city? And so they would trace their family lines back to this story that we're going to talk about tonight. And so also you can look, it's easy, Google most on the internet and ISIS went into that city and, and started to destroy all the history, the world's history of all that city, deliberately destroying it and breaking down. It's all over and people were outraged at what they were doing and, and destroying all this history you can read about this whole city but that city which is built right next to Nineveh is basically the modern day Nineveh and everyone out of that Nineveh, uh, city of Nineveh would have moved into Mosul and that has grown to a large city straight on the opposite bank of the Tigris River and so we read this story now if you've read it, never read the uh, the uh, this the book of Jonah it's only it's not very long it'll probably take you about 10 minutes to read the whole story it's four chapters and we're going to go through it tonight and I want to pull out some points and just and just give you, I think, what God's heart is in this story. And so Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. There's Jonah right there. Now, do you think Jonah was scared? He actually wasn't scared to go to the city. And I'm not sure if this will surprise you or not, which kind of shows what Jonah was like. But that, the, that city of Nineveh was the enemy of Israel. And Jonah didn't want to go to that city because he wanted God to destroy the city because he hated them. That's really why Jonah didn't want to go to the city. And you sort of think, oh, well, Jonah, you know, he was, he's meant to be following God and have a heart after God and compassion. Yeah, he should, but he hadn't. And so he wanted that city. He said, he said oh, God, go to that city. Because he, he thought, if, if God wants me to go and tell them, they'll probably repent. They'll probably, God probably won't destroy the city. And he goes, I want them all dead. Seriously. You look, you look at the history of it, because I did, and that's really the heart of it, because you read through the story as we're going to find out how, what, what happens when Jonah's heart is revealed. And so Jonah basically thinks, well, I'm going to go as far as I can away from Nineveh and go the opposite way. This is no way I can, God can get me to go to that city. That's what he wanted to do. Uh, it's Israel's enemy, and, uh, and he wasn't having any part of that. And this story, though, is, a, is the story of compassion that God has for Nineveh. And you sort of think, well, how can God... Because you know, God has said he want, he's, they're wicked and God said he's going to punish and destroy and bring judgment on this city. So how, how can that be compassionate? 
our God is a God that loves people, but he's also a righteous God, and he's also a just God, and he wants justice done. And it would be against his nature to allow wickedness and sin just to continue because that would be against his very nature. Do you realize that sitting in this, if it wasn't for Jesus, that all of us would be in the same position as Nineveh was? Our wickedness and sin, was, could, would, would God would look and say, well, you, unless you turn back to me, unless you, your, your nation turns back to me, your city turns back to me, then there's so much wickedness going on in your city that they'll be forced to bring judgment upon your city upon your life and it's only because jesus the bible says took all the punishment for all our sin all our wickedness upon himself so when god looks at us he looks at us through the blood of jesus that was shed on the cross for us and he says i've got no judgment against you because the one my one and only son jesus has paid the price for all your sin And that, they didn't know about any saviour. They didn't, Nineveh didn't know about, they worshipped all their other gods and, and Jesus hadn't come yet. And so they were living in wickedness and sin and God saw it and he had to do something about it. But God was a God of compassion because if he wasn't a God of compassion, he would have just destroyed them instantly. But he said, I want to give them an opportunity to turn back to me. I want to turn their hearts to me. And, and so then he was going to send Jonah to do it. It's amazing that when we, as we read this story, that Jonah, you start to see Jonah's heart. Jonah was the, had no compassion for them at all. So jo- God deliberately chose someone with no compassion to go to a city, to go to a city that he had compassion on. So that he used the very thing that maybe the least person to do that, instead of finding someone that, had compassion for people he grabbed someone and thought well i'll use i'll use him and i'll show him what compassion really is and in the process challenge jonah's life and change him in the process and then we look at jonah jonah needed compassion he he's he's like his heart is hard a rock stone he had no compassion no love at all for these people and but God cared about him too. God cared, cared enough about us. You know, God, if it wasn't for God, you know, he, he looks at us and he could wipe us off. He could sort of think, well, you know, you're not exactly right. If you've got this problem or that problem, he looks beyond all our faults. He looks beyond everything that we may see is wrong with us or other people see our faults. And he looks beyond all that and he sees us as what we can be and what he's made us to be. And he could see what was on the inside of Jonah and he wanted to bring that out. And he used this story and these circumstances to do it. And sometimes he'll grab your life and put you in difficult circumstances to deliberately ask you to do something you don't really want to do. And you'll say, do it. Because out of it, he's going to bring life out of you and he's going to change you and change your character into the person that you need to be he's going to allow you to go through what you need to go through to be the person he's created you to be and so then god is concerned about 120,000 people in this city but then god is also concerned about the one jonah at the same time and to me that is good news at the same time, God can be concerned about a whole city, 
of people. You know, 120,000 people is probably Maryborough, Harvey Bay, Childers, Rainbow Beach, Tyro, all put together and we're still probably a few short. And we're talking about that amount of people in one place. God can have compassion on them and want to save all them, but at the same time, he has just as much care and compassion for one person that is away from him than these their heart changed. So don't ever think that God doesn't care about you or doesn't care about that person you're praying for or care about that one person that's, that's broken and lost. You say, God, you know, you save all these other people and you see all these, God do great things in these events and, and around the world, but do you care about the one? Yes, he does. And this story shows exactly what he's like. So it says, Jonah, he went down the road to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to, to Tarshish. Obviously, he didn't really realize how or know how big God was. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. How can you sleep in a storm like that? That's what I like to know. And... Um, and he's running away from God, and he must think like a little bit worried about, you know, God, I'm running away from God. And he's in this massive violent storm, and he's asleep in the ship. Travel calm, that's what it was. That travel calm works. Just give it to Tim Davey. That'll, he goes to sleep like a baby as soon as you give him that stuff. Useless fishing in the boat after he's had tra- travel calm. So he's down, doesn't catch any more fish. And so he's sound asleep in the hold of the boat. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? That's the same question I'd ask, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. And they didn't know anything about Jonah's God and who he worshipped. And then he says, maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots. They basically draw straws to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. God's just like, I'm just going to get him wherever he is. Why has this awful storm come down on us? Then they start, then they start questioning him in the middle. Of, imagine on a ship, there's waves, there's water crashing in, there's water coming across the deck of the boat, and they pulled Jonah up on the deck, and they go, what's going on? And they demanded, that says, who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. They're like, I'm running away from God. He created all this. He created the waves. Says, well, they're like going, what are you doing? And then, oh, why'd you do, why'd you do it? They groaned. They're like... And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. And they, didn't really, they thought that's not a really good idea. They thought he was just going to die. And it will, become, and it will become calm again. I know that, the, um, that this terrible storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land because they didn't want to throw him. They, they knew he'd die if they threw him overboard. So they, so they thought, so they're like, we'll, we'll try and get to the land but the stormy seas were too violent for them and they couldn't make it then they cried out to the lord then they then they cried out to the lord jonah's god oh lord they pleaded don't make us die for this man's sin and don't yeah 
It's not our fault. It's him. Take out, take him out. And don't hold us responsible for his death because they think they're going to chuck him over and let's go, we've got murdered a guy. And they said, for his death, O Lord. You have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. At once. And uh, I've been in a boat once, and I've actually been in a really strong wind. And I, you sort of think, can that happen? And at one, we went from, I remember it was really windy, and we were driving on those rough seas. All of a sudden, we came out of a wave, and then we came into perfectly calm weather instantly and it was like on this edge of a storm and so it's possible god can just at once just stop a storm just like that and so they threw him over and at once it stopped the sailors were all struck by the lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him so here we go Jonah tries to escape God, and God uses a terrible situation, a terrible storm. John's, uh, John, Jonah's running away, fleeing away from God, and then God uses his life, even in the midst of a storm, to turn these men around and to follow God. Jonah can't escape. God's will be done wherever he goes. God's heart of compassion he just, well, okay, you're going to run away? I'll use, I'll use that ship and I'll, I'll, I'll have compassion on those sailors as well and I'll save them as well. And it says they were so awestruck by the storm stopping so quickly that they worshipped God and vowed, it says, to serve Him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I don't know if that was a whale or what. There was other fish that uh, would have been around at that time, as big as whales and things like that, and they found skeletons for, and I don't know. But all I know is this, that it would be stinky and smelly in that fish's stomach, and, uh, and it's, it's a miracle that he lasted three days. And then chapter 2 is 10 verses, and it's the prayer that Jonah prays inside a fish. Now, you would be desperate inside a fish, all right? You'd be desperate to, to get out of there. And if you had, and if the only person you can reach out to in the belly of a fish is God, because no one else is going to save you out of that thing. And so here's what Jonah says in chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land, from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. In other words, he was basically drowned. You threw me into the ocean's depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. That'd be great. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever but you O lord my god snatched me from the jaws of death as my life was slipping away i remembered the lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of god's mercies but i will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and i'll fulfill my vows for my salvation comes from the lord alone then the lord ordered the fish to spit jonah out on the beach you notice in this story that God orders a lot of things to happen. 
He ordered the storm to start. He ordered the storm to stop. It shows God's power and authority. He ordered the fish to swallow Jonah. And he ordered the fish to spit him out on the beach. Whatever God said, the animals, the winds, the wave, the seas, whatever it is, did exactly as God spoke. When Jesus came, he spoke and the waters, the storm went calm. He ordered the wind, he ordered the waves, he did the same. God has authority to do anything in any situation, whatever he wants to do. Nothing is too hard for him. Then chapter 3. These last two chapters are probably the best two chapters. Jonah chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Jonah's finally getting it. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord. Well done, Jonah. He obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh, you can imagine Jonah for a second, he has no compassion for these people. He actually wanted them all to die. So you can imagine he's like, all right, I have to do this. God said, you know, you're all wicked, you're all terrible. I knew that already, but you're all wicked, you're all terrible. I can see that. And uh, in 40 days, he said he's going to destroy all of you. So you better sort yourselves out, get your life sorted out, you bunch of stinkers, you know, or whatever. And he just would have been no compassion, no love, because he didn't really care. He was just, oh, as long as I do what God said. And and because that's how it would be. Have you ever had someone talk to you that's really religious? With no compassion? With no love, they'll give you a thousand verses about hell. And that's okay. We need to tell people about hell because it's very real. But we need to tell them about the incredible love of God that he has for them. And it would have come across so dry and so just condemning and just like he just thought judgment. And he would have, it would have come along this way. So he declares it. And he says, it's going to be, Nineveh is going to be destroyed in 40 days. And the people of Nineveh believe God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one. Not even the animals from the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And it says, when God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind. Do you know how many times God changed his mind in the Bible? Not many. Moses asked God to have mercy on the people, and God changed his mind. There wasn't many times in the Bible that God changed his mind. He changed his mind and did not carry out the, dis- the destruction he had threatened. Jonah tells them they're going to be destroyed. And the whole city, over 120,000 people, there's not many times in the Bible where a city, that amount of people, stop everything 
They would have worshipped all these foreign gods and all this wicked stuff. They were violent. They, if they were wicked, God had a, they were very wicked. You know, they were, it wasn't like God had thought, I'm going, to, I'm going to wipe you out. You're so wicked. And they hear God. They hear the message. And all of them repent of their sin and wickedness and all turn to God. The whole city. The whole city. The whole city. Can God save a city in one day? Yes, he can. Can God change a city in one day? Yes, He can. Can God change a city of Harvey Bay in a short whatever time period, in a day, in a week, in a, in a year? Yes, He can. If He can do it for over 120,000, then He can do it for 65,000. It's not, it's not too hard for Him. They were ready to hear that message. And, that, and part of the reason God wanted to send Jonah, He saw the wickedness, but He also saw their hearts. And he also said, if I send Jonah to tell them that they're ready to repent and they're ready to turn to me. These aren't God's people. They aren't the, Cho- they aren't the Israelites. They aren't God. You know, in the Old Testament, we see God's favor on the Israelites. These are people that are enemies of Israel, but God's heart still reached out to them because he loved them. Their repentance changed God's mind. Their repentance changed God. You know, the Bible says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, they'll hear from heaven. And they would hear, if they would turn to them, they'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. You know, when we, you know, that that's talks about us repenting on behalf of our city, saying, God, have mercy on our city. You know, and we need to make sure that if we've got stuff in our lives, that we stop and say, God, forgive me, I repent. I, repentance means to turn 180 degrees, to turn your back on your sin, on the stuff, and to walk the other way. That's what, it's not just a decision to say, oh, I'll do that, God, or pray a prayer. It's actually physically doing it. It's more than just what you say. It's an action as well. And so that's what, there was an action. And so we can, in that scripture, if my people, that's talking about us, who are called by my name. If we pray, we can pray on behalf of our city that, that compassion and love will fill their heart, that they will see Jesus, they will see Him, and they will turn to God. And so they turned to God. They were transformed. They followed God. They now worshipped Him. And now what about Jonah? Jonah sees all this happen. We, Jonah preaches and he's watching and he sees them all repent, the whole city. Now, this is interesting to see Jonah's heart. Jonah 4. I don't know what Jonah's thinking. Anyway, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Jonah wasn't happy. They're all repenting God. Why are they doing this? No, this this is not the plan. They're all meant to die. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from, uh, from destroying people. And he says, just kill me now, Lord. Just kill me now. Like it's like, if you ever have someone, just kill me now. Just take me out. You know, I was like, I'm sick of this. Just, and he's like, it was a hundred, it's the most, one of the most amazing stories 
in history of 120,000 people turning to God, which is an absolute miracle. And Jonah's angry going, I knew you were merciful. I knew you, de- I knew you wouldn't destroy him. I knew when I told him they'd all repent and you'd be merciful and, and you'd love him and you'd, they'd all come back to you. And I knew that would happen. And I, that's why I ran off in the first place because I knew that was going to happen. And he's whinging and complaining to God and he's angry at God because people's lives are transformed out of darkness into light and he's mad about it. Do you know what? That, you know, God's mercy and kindness towards Nineveh actually revealed Jonah's heart. And sometimes God will put you in a position where you weren't expecting something to happen or someone... You know, who, who maybe that has treated you badly, has really hurt you and done things that have really, you know, hurt your life and caused you much pain, and then he'll save them. And, you'll, and, you'll, and, they'll get, and their lives will be restored. And, and then you're, you've got this battle going on inside going, but God, what about all the things? How can you just forgive that? Aren't, what, what they deserve, they, what about all the things they've hurt me with? Do you know what? Can I say this with love? That's, that's your problem to deal with God. God loves them just as much as he loves you. God and his mercy for them, he is no different to his mercy for you. And he, in that process, will allow sometimes those things to happen and you know about it because he wants your heart to change. So sometimes all that stuff comes to the surface and you get in a place where God, God, help and change me. Don't let me be angry. Help me to let go. Help me to forgive. And so this is what happens to Jonah. He says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. He predicted they'd all die. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? He asked him, a question, is it right for you to be angry about this? And he asked, you know, God often asks that same question, maybe different ways. But he'll say, you know, is it right for you to act that way towards that person? Is it right for you to think that way? Is it right for you to do that? What do you, do you think that's that? Do you think that's the way Jesus would do it? Do you think that's the way that I would do it? Is it right for you to do that, or are you doing that out of your own will, out of your own pain, out of your own brokenness, out of your own selfishness? And so Jonah. He's acting like this because he's got some issues in his life of having no compassion and love. And, and he, he just wanted, he just didn't love these people, which would have affected his whole life. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under. And he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's just sitting out there waiting. Is fire going to come down? They've all repented. Is God going to save them all? And so he's sitting out there waiting to see what's going to happen. And the Lord got arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning, God's just having a lot of fun with Jonah, isn't he? Oh, you know, he's going to cause the plant to grow. Oh, then we'll just get a worm to rock up. And so a, ro- a worm arrives in the morning. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, <laughs> this is a weird story. As the, as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. God just like going, mate, I'm going to get this out of you. You know, get this anger and this, you know, this unforgiveness out of your life. I'm going to beat it out of you. And so 
pretty much. It's going to get sunburnt in the process. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. He'd said before, what did he say earlier? Oh, just kill me now. So God's sure, I can organize that. I'll get a plant, I'll get a worm, the sun will burn you to death. And so, and so, so that's what he asked for. Be careful what you ask God for. And so, and Jonah's like, he just wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Jonah. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. (laughs) Even angry enough to die, he says. (laughs) Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. He didn't water it, didn't look after it, he didn't put it there in the first place, he didn't plant it. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Now, I found that interesting that God mentions the animals. He actually cares about the animals. Yes, he does care about your dog and he does care about your cat. So, and your pet pony and whatever else you got. And um, so don't just relax. He loves them too. Nineveh has 120,000 people in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's where it ends. It doesn't say how, what happens to Jonah. It doesn't tell us whether he gets it or not. It doesn't say he went home and with a sunburned head and suddenly sorted himself out. Or he went back into the city. I, I would have went back. He needed a drink after a while, so he would have to go back to the city before he went home. Imagine him going back to that city. They've repented to God. He was the one that brought the message. He let, brought the message and left. Imagine if he walked back in. What are they going to do? They're going to go, thank you. Thank you, Jonah, for obeying God and saving us. And I hope he got the message because <laughs> if any... That must have changed him, surely. 120,000 people. For our city to be changed, we need to have the same compassion for our city of Harvey Bay and our region as God did for Nineveh. That same compassion is the compassion for people that changes a city. It's a compassion for people that will motivate us you and me to actually step out of our comfort zone, to step out and do more than what we're doing now to reach people. It's a compassion for people. It'll stop you in your day-to-day walking. I've got, I'm busy, I'm going here, I'm going there. And you see someone that you know is in need and, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that person, you need to talk to that person. And your compassion for people, what God has put in your heart and what you've allowed to be molded by God in your heart will either stop you and you'll go and obey God and do what He's called you. Just like Jonah, he called Jonah, it's no different. Or he'll go, no, I'm too busy. I'm too, I've got to get to here, I've got to get to there. But it's the same thing as Jonah. It's no different. He said to go tell them, to go to a whole city, but sometimes God just says, just go to that one person. It might be just to say hello. It might be offered to pray for them. It might, they might need to live somewhere. They may need a miracle. They may need you to pray for them and God will do an incredible miracle in their life right there. They may need you to lead them to Jesus. They just maybe just need someone to show them kindness. I remember hearing many stories and one, one preacher once was 
and we've probably shared this here before, but he was walking through a shopping center and and then and, and he's walking past his vending machine and, and God told him to go and do a handstand up against it in the middle of his busy shopping center. And he's like, what? Like he's like he's, and he was in the process of hearing God's voice. And he goes, God, speak to me today and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so God says, I want you to go and do that. And so he thought, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not God. And just kept going. Then he, then he stopped and God said it again. He said, okay, so in the middle of this shopping center, he goes up and does a handstand against his vending machine and, and he does it. Then he gets down again and he thought, okay, and then what do I do now? Next minute, a person comes up to him and he said, why did you do that? Why did you, why did you do that? And he goes, well, I was walking through the shopping center and, and God, I'm a Christian and God spoke to me and said to do that. And he said, I was going to about commit suicide today. And I said, God, if you are real, you'll get someone to walk into the shopping center and do a handstand in that vending machine and they'll know you're real. And that was a, that's a well-known, it was at Planet Shakers, I can't remember which speaker it was. And they obeyed God. Now you would think that is crazy, just like some of this story of Jonah is crazy. But God will sometimes get you to do crazy things to save a person that he loves. Whether it's 120,000 or whether it's one. And your compassion for people will cause you to either obey God when he calls you or to keep going. Your compassion and your love for people. Can I have the worship team up as we bring this to a close tonight? We also need to warn people and be honest about their sin and their wickedness does carry your penalty. We can't just say, hey, it's going to be all good. You know, come and give your life to Jesus. But we need to tell them that just like God wanted Jonah to warn that whole city that their sin separated them from God and, and there was gonna, there's a judgment that comes upon their life. People need to know that, but they need to know this, that there is a person, there is a man whose name is Jesus who has already paid that penalty, who has already paid for their sin, has already paid for their wickedness. And when they turn to him, they don't need to face any judgment from God whatsoever because this, the penalty has already been paid it's already been laid upon Jesus Christ for them it's already been laid upon Jesus for every single one of us in this place tonight and all we have to do is turn to him and say Jesus thank you for dying on that cross and taking the punishment for my sin and ask him to come into your life tonight I want to do one other thing before we pray. One way you can test your heart and see if you have compassion for people is I want you to think of the person in your life that maybe has hurt you the most. Maybe they're still alive. Maybe they're not. Maybe they live a long way away. Maybe they're a family member. Maybe they were a friend. Maybe someone you haven't talked to a long time but I want you to think about the person in your life that has maybe, maybe caused you a whole lot of pain and some of you straight away will think of someone some of you think oh well, I'm not sure if I've got too many of those people in my life but I want you to think about it do you want them to know Jesus can you honestly say yes I want, to, want them to know Jesus 
Can you forgive that person? Honestly, if they got came to Jesus, you heard about it, and maybe they've caused a lot of pain in your life, would you be angry? Would you be happy? Can you forgive them for what they've done to you? Because I want to tell you this. If you can forgive that person, and if you are happy and have compassion on that person, and you are happy that they were saved and knew Jesus, then if you can have compassion on that person, then you can have compassion on everybody. For Jonah, God picked the people that he just disliked the most. Could have got anyone to do it, but he chose Jonah to do it. And he picked him because he wanted to do something in Jonah's heart. And he also had compassion for all those people. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment in this place? I want to ask you tonight, if you don't know Jesus, or you're not sure, we had four or five people this morning give their life to Jesus and some for the very first time others it was like a recommitment they'd been away from God and they've come back to him and if you're in this place tonight and you're saying I need to do that I need to come to him I need to turn away from sin I need to turn away from all that junk I need to turn away from that stuff that destroyed my life and I need to repent I need to turn 180 degrees away from that and follow Jesus and ask Him into my life and now make Him Lord of my life and follow Him. If that's you tonight, say, I want to do that tonight. I want to be right before God. I want to be free tonight. I want you to raise your hand in this place if you need to do that. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you have done it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? There's five or six hands gone up. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Anyone else before we before we pray? Yeah, awesome. Got that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? God's presence and love is just feeling this place. what we're going to do. We're going to stand quietly. And if you raise your hand and you may have responded before, you may have responded this morning, it doesn't matter. But if you raise your hand, I want, I'd ask that you step out of your seat and just step out to the front here. You can come with someone if you want to. You don't have to come by yourself. But if you raise your hand, why don't you come to the front? There's about, about 10 or so people. 
to anyone else that needs to come, we're going to pray. Some I realize have made this decision before. It doesn't matter. You know what I found? It doesn't matter how many times. I've seen people come to the altar many, many times, and I just think, God, it's if they think they need to come, if they want to come before you, that's totally fine. Never be embarrassed about, oh, I've done this before, or what are people going to think? They just think you're fantastic. They think it's fantastic that you are coming and responding to God. Don't ever be worried. And God is proud of every single person that makes a decision, a step publicly to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. This is what I want to do. There's some here for the first time. Is it is people here for the first time? Is it the first time you've done this? Or oh, awesome. Anyone else for the first time you've ever done? Yeah, over here as well. Some have done it before. You were up here this morning. Hey, they're awesome. How you doing? Have you done this before? Have I seen you up here before? I think you have. Yeah, cool. Awesome. This is what we're going to do. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And uh, the church is going to pray it together and simply asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin and uh, you just have to repeat these words after me the Bible says if we confess our sin that he God is faithful and he is just which means he does the right thing to forgive us of all our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness in other words you pray and ask him and he just he just like washes you clean it's like he gets a blackboard. It's like all those mistakes, all that sin, all that junk that you sort of think, oh, all that stuff I've done wrong. And it's like written on a blackboard. And it's like as you pray this, it's like he gets, he gets an eraser and he just begins to rub it all away. And it's all clean and it's all gone. And the Bible says that he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. In other words, God, when you pray it, he forgets about it, which means you can forget about it too means you don't have to live in the past anymore. You have to dwell in the past anymore. From today, it's a brand new day. And that's good news. So I invite all of you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you tonight and say thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for all of my sin and right now I ask you to forgive me and make me brand new wash away all my sin from this moment on I want to make you Lord of my life I want to follow you and get to know you help me Holy Spirit to know Jesus Amen and Lord I just pray I just pray, Lord, for some of these. Thank you, Lord God, for this lady, Lord God, who has come to you tonight. That, Lord, this would be a significant day, a significant moment in her life, Lord. That your love filling her heart, making her brand new. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom. I thank I just see God's love filling your soul. Filling your soul. He loves you incredibly. He says, you know, whatever, no longer will your past dictate your future. He says, I'm going to give you a brand new future. He has incredible plans for your life and he's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you and fill your life with peace and hope. 
thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for these men, Lord God, that are following you and made a decision. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and your grace, Lord God, filling his life tonight. Thank you for your healing power, Lord, that is working through his body, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Let that flow right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, for your power, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I shared about thinking about that person that maybe is maybe caused you the most pain or brought hurt into your life or whatever the circumstance is. And if you can forgive that person, if you can have compassion for that person, if you can say, Jesus, I love them to be saved, then you have compassion for people. That If you can have compassion for them, then you have compassion for many. But maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, God, I want compassion like you have for that city of Nineveh. I want compassion for my city of Harvey Bay. I want compassion for maybe the people in my workplace, the ones that are grumpy, the ones that talk behind my back, the ones that say this and say that, the ones that judge me, the ones that do all kinds of things. God, I want compassion for those people. I want compassion for my family that that don't get that I'm really a Christian, that don't understand. But God, give me a love and compassion for them. And I simply want to open up this altar just for a couple of moments as we finish tonight and say, if you're saying, God, there's a cry in your heart to have compassion for people, for broken and hurting people, compassion for this city like God has, you're saying, I want that and I want more of it because I know I haven't got enough. I want you to come and step out of your seat and just begin to sing this song like you're singing it over them, like you're picturing people Maybe it's that person that's hurt you and you begin to sing this song over their life. Because all of us are covered by His grace. I invite you to come and sing this song. That's what I want to do. Four of you at the front, and maybe there's others that didn't come down, but I want you, anyone can do this. So I want you to put your hands in front of you. I'm going to ask not necessarily going to go and pray for every person, but I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit right where you stand to begin to bring compassion in your heart. Compassion for people in this city, compassion for people you know, compassion for your workplace or school or whatever it may be. Because if we have compassion if we're a church that has great compassion for people god will just flood this place with people that don't know jesus he'll bring them in because he has his people here that want to just love them and look after them the more compassion we have the more love we have for people the greater the move of god the greater the amount of people will keep coming into the kingdom every single week every single day over this city So Holy Spirit, I ask right now, as people have their hands out in front, ready to receive what you have, I pray tonight that you would give them such a love, such a compassion for the lost, 
such a compassion for those that don't know Jesus, such a compassion for those in our city and, and around that just don't know him, that are broken, that are hurting, Lord God, that they will have the same heart as you have for them. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do that right now. Right now. Just stay there and just wait for a moment. Your compassion, Lord. Fill us with your compassion. Let us see hurting people like you see them. Let us see your heart. Break our heart for what breaks your heart. May our hearts line up with what you see, what you want. And Lord, I pray tonight there'd be a change. There'd be a shift. There would be a a deeper love. There would be a cry. There'd be a cry of intercession for our city. There'd be a cry for people in their workplace, cry for people around that would just suddenly well up, that Holy Spirit, I pray starting tomorrow, that you'll begin to, people, you'll begin to stop people in their tracks and you'll begin to show them people and they, and they won't pass by, but they will stop. You'll begin to bring people in front of all our paths, Lord God that are waiting just to hear about the love of Jesus, that are waiting to hear, just like Nineveh was, waiting to hear the good news, waiting to hear that God loved them enough to warn them, to say, I don't want you to spend eternity away from me. I want you to know me. Lord, let your compassion fill our hearts. Let it fill our hearts. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.